It's time now for the Sports Objective Podcast. No talking heads, just guys who love sports. Here's Dave Richmond. Welcome into the Sports Objective Podcast. A big weekend for the Pirates. And with me right now, Bubba Rosenbaum. How are you, man? What's going on, Dave? Hope you've had an excellent week. It's been a little bit crazy, as you know, uh, behind the scenes. But the good news is we've got a lot going on. I want to, by the way, I want to give you a shout-out. Kudos to Bubba Rosenbaum for your hard work on the Division One preview. A huge success. Thank you to the fans. And especially a special thanks to all the coaches and the media relations folks, SID, for helping us out there. Um, the likes of Malcolm Gray at East Carolina, different ones, to help us out throughout the process. So uh, 15 out of 8 coaches, uh, 18 Division One coaches, if you haven't heard it, uh, you can hear it on anywhere, SoundCloud, anywhere you hear the podcast. But uh, that was fantastic. The 23 Jungle Tales, um, un- I guess, unfortunately coming to an end, but we'll do that again next year. It was a huge success, Bubba. I know that your family hasn't seen you that much, <laughs> um, but thank you for all your hard work. I wanted to say that right out of the gate. Yeah, it was a lot of fun putting those 23 shows together, and um, like you said, a huge success, more than 2,500 listens so far. And I, I know Turner Brown received uh, well over 350 listens, and and uh, and on average, well well over 100 listens for each one of these episodes. So thank you to Pirate Nation and and everyone for tuning in. No doubt about it, and uh, we might be the uh, record for the most listens ever to an episode or any kind of special preview or the Division One preview. So thank you to that. A, a very interesting time as college baseball is. Uh, Hard to believe it's here, Bubba. It's Valentine's Day. You know how much I love baseball. I love sports. I love East Carolina. So I'm looking forward to the series with William and Mary. And oh, by the way, we have the coach of William and Mary, right? Yep, we caught up with the seventh year head coach of the tribe, Brian Murphy. I had about a 10 minute chat with him on this weekend series and uh, what William and Mary is shaping up like this year uh, coming into Greenville. So we'll. We'll have that, and then we'll also have a couple of uh, national college baseball guys, if you will. Uh, one who's actually in the Raleigh area. We had him on the podcast a few times last year. He had the On Campus to the Cape podcast, but he has since relocated from the Cape down to uh, Raleigh, like I mentioned. So he renamed his podcast College Baseball 365. Uh, Stu Murray, he does an excellent job, uh, always Enjoy catching up with Stu, and then also Mike Rooney uh, of The Perfect Game and ESPN does such an excellent job covering college baseball for those two outlets, and we caught up with Rooney um, here in the last couple of days and had an excellent conversation with, with Mike. No doubt about it. I want to thank all of them in advance for coming on, and we'll get to the interviews in just a little bit, but very excited overall for Pirates Athletics. Bubba got an announcement today about the sensory room for we got a big weekend event with the Aces for autism, and uh, certainly very excited about there's going to be a press conference. By the time folks hear this podcast, uh, I think it's tomorrow at 1, Friday at 1, recording this Thursday evening, So, um, but very excited about that. Awesome job from John Gilbert, the head leadership there, Ryan Robinson, and everybody, Kyle Robinson, who is uh, fantastic. I believe his son has autism, right, Bubba? Yes, he does. Um, but this is this is the cause. Um, the last several years, when we've had this Aces for Autism game, and um, 
I, I think this is at least three times now that we've worn these uh, special Aces for Autism uniforms uh, with, with that logo, and they're sharp, uh, actually a sharp-looking logo and uniform um, is one of those things that um, you, you don't know exactly how it's going to look when you hear that it's going to be on a uniform, but I, uh, I'm a big fan of the uniform, and it's obvious, obviously yeah. for an excellent cause. No doubt about it. And, uh, I know on social media we're going to be giving tickets away, right, Bubba? Yeah, we are. And so we'll have um, a Twitter giveaway and then also a Facebook giveaway, for four tickets on each of those platforms. And um, so stay tuned and definitely check that out. Um, it will probably be up Friday morning, if not um, later on Thursday evening. Sounds good. Appreciate that very much. And uh, with baseball, I just want to get your, uh, before obviously a deep dive, but uh, with a lot of baseball talking here, the three great guests. But as far as your, what are your thoughts? What are your storylines? You're feeling inside, Bubba. You're very close to the program for many, many years since birth. Uh, this baseball team, as we know, uh, to paint the picture a little bit from last season. Uh, thankfully, that is last season um, with uh, the with Louisville with a super regional. And we talked to Evan Volleyball uh, a month or it's been a while. So he came on and, and he agreed with us. They just didn't have anything left in the tank and everything to win that regional, the Greenville Regional, and to go to Louisville. But uh, me personally, I think I've said this all along. I really believe this team is special. I think there's a lot of great, uh, obviously, talent on the team. There's guys with experience. And, yes, they don't have maybe the leadership roles of Turner Brown and Brady Lloyd, those guys, but um, Brian Packard and Washer and um, – Agnos and all that, but the bottom line is when it looks like to me now, as long as the guys can stay healthy, I think the injuries is a big concern. But other than that, I mean, I think there's enough talent to the pitching's uh, really good this year. Um, I, I think the offensive power is going to be just as good. I really do. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, how do you feel? Yeah, obviously what stands out, losing those household names like you've already mentioned as far as Brickhouse, Packard, Agnos, Washer, et cetera, um, Turner Brown. <laughs> but um, some of the storylines that I'm looking at, um, I'm, um, you obviously have Burley as preseason player of the year in the league, uh, tremendous two-way player, should have probably won the John Olerud Award last year, and certainly a candidate that's high on that list. Um, here in 2020, and Jake Cooch-Mainer is preseason conference pitcher of the year. But some of the things that, that I'm really keeping an eye on, um, I'm, I'm looking at Ryder Giles at shortstop, um, looking for excellent things out of him. Uh, like Turner Brown said, I think uh, he's going to play very well there. And then obviously Seth Cadell uh, behind the plate, going from a guy that played in about I don't know, 30, 35 games last year and started about a third of them to an everyday starter, and I'm sure he'll get spelled every now and then. But essentially, I mean, he's going to be the guy for sure. And uh, so looking at those two guys, and then as far as newcomers, Zach Agnos, um, he's a two-way player as well. He's quite possibly going to be the opening day starter at third base and then also see some uh, innings on the mound. And in addition to Zach, also um, freshman lefty Carson Wisenhunt out of Davie County and just to the west side of Winston-Salem. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does as well. And ladies and gentlemen, making his appearance on the podcast, Kyle from LaGrange Barber. What's up, man? <laughs> What's going on, guys? How y'all doing? As we sit here on a 
baseball eve. Very excited. We, uh, by the way, we, uh, for Kyle just joining us, we actually talked about the great series, the Division One preview, and the Twenty Three Jungle Tales, and we were just moving in now to the round table. So perfect timing. Wanted to uh, get your thoughts. Uh, we were just talking about the Bubba. I was talking about storylines. What's your thoughts on the baseball team as we move into 2020? Hard to believe uh, with the first pitch in about 24 hours. Ah, uh, yeah, we got we, we we got a lot of experience in spots, and then we got a lot of youth in spots. It's like there's not, you know. We're not like we were last year where it seemed like there was experience everywhere, but there's enough experience. And then we have some talented, uh, unproven guys coming in. So if, uh, you know, the expectations were there last last year, nowhere near as high this year. Um, to me, it's, it's how, how fast can the young guys get, you know, allocated to playing Division One baseball. And if uh, – those guys can get into their roles fast, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes you just you just step right in, and uh, if those guys can can kind of step into their roles in a hurry, I think we could be just as good as we were last year. It's gonna be hard to match last year's win total, particularly in conference. But you know, I think a lot of people are are thinking this year, without saying it, is more of a well, let's just make a regional versus let's host a regional. But I wouldn't be surprised if we're in host competition again come uh, the end of May. Yeah, that's one thing. I guess is the better term. Yeah, and that's one thing. I think the expectation has come to that, and I think that that um, it used to be. It seems like with our program, just to go to a regional um, was a. But it seems like now we've elevated a program where we want to host a regional and then. How, how great would it be to host a Super Regional? Oh, my gosh, that would be phenomenal. And so you never know with the with this team. I think you're right. I think the younger guys, uh, how do they how do they handle the pressure of Division One baseball, especially when you look at uh, the likes of uh, Pirate Nation where you have great fans or expectations are going to be high. And um, I know that a guy like Cliff Godwin, um, and that's what he prepared them for, some people may think it's tough or whatever going through the system, but I think he's preparing them for – He, in other words, he has the background of knowing what, what it's like to play at a high level. He's coached at a high level before coming back to his alma mater in Greenville, and so he knows what it takes to get to to Omaha, to get to, you know, to super regionals, regionals. Um, so I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. I know um, – it's, uh, it's going to be a great time, a great season. Uh, by the way, folks, if you didn't get a chance to listen to this week, we released a couple of days ago our preview for the Pirates with play-by-play voice and great friend of the podcast, Corey Glore. So you can find that and uh, check that out. Yeah, uh, definitely listen to that. Corey has a lot of good insight. Um, if you listen to the uh, D1 Baseball preview, uh, you, you know, talk to Cliff. But if you want a really in-depth analysis, we talked to Corey for an hour. And uh, Corey, you know, watched the team practice. He, he, uh, he, it's a really good breakdown of what he thinks, and uh, he's got pretty high expectations for this coming year. So, definitely check that out before uh, before the first pitch on Friday. Uh, maybe, maybe as you're uh, on the way to the ballpark, turn that on. What do you guys think about? What do you guys think about ECU? And as far as are there any topics that come to mind uh, this for this weekend? Uh, the game against Cincinnati Sunday, uh, hosting the Bearcats. We upset them last year. Men's G's be interesting to see 
if we can do it again. Um, besides that, there's not a lot going on right now. Huh? Normally there's topics to hit, but uh, Bubba, maybe you got something besides baseball and uh, the Cincinnati game this weekend. And it's Aces for Autism, Kyle, so that's yeah, going to be a big thing. And we, we mentioned that earlier a little bit as far as yeah. the Aces for Autism, but um, along with that, there'll be um, T-shirt giveaway, 2,500 T-shirts um, for those first 2,500 fans with the Aces for Autism's logo, and then uh, I'm guessing um, the, the Pirate Club logo as well. But um, so so you'll you'll have that, and then also um, sticking with the basketball theme. That's what Jaden Gardner, uh, unfortunately, in a loss, but then the Pirates fell 70 to 56 on uh, Wednesday night out at Tulsa. But Jaden, even though he had his or one of his lower point totals of the season with only 12 points, he still had uh, 12 points and 12 rebounds, so another double double for him. And with that, uh, he eclipsed the 1,000 point and 500 rebound plateaus. And um, he he became the 32nd player in East Carolina history to top a thousand points, and then 24th player in East Carolina history to top 500 rebounds. And remember, here he is with uh, still several games remaining in his sophomore season. So it's going to be um, very interesting to see where he finishes up. And knock on wood, he remains healthy and remains a pirate, like I think he will. Then um, he's going to rank on up there and potentially be the all-time leader in both of those categories. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a guy, like you said, healthy level. I, I really believe in my heart anything's possible, but I think if he was going to go, I really believe he was going to go after last year um, with all the disarray. I think you can start to see the program is they're built, we're building a program now. Last year seemed to be so chaotic with a lot of players basically um, in a nice way asked to leave, and here you are now um, having 11 new players and, and him and when uh, you have a situation where we're starting to see that come together. And may not be in the record, but the same thing with the women's program. They're going to be fantastic. Basketball is looking great, uh, certainly. And with this weekend, i tell you what, uh, you were talking, Kyle, you were talking about Cincinnati, the basketball uh, team. Uh, Sunday is going to be a phenomenal. Uh, I think that's a phenomenal event. I think what you were talking about last year, that place, uh, Menji's when when Williams Arena when uh, I took the kids to see that game last year it was a, a unbelievable crowd uh, just that's what I'm hopeful for is to see the Pirates at Williams Arena that we can give them as Joe Dewey says just keep giving the products that they deserve and put the best product on the floor and um, I think I think the thing with the me is that I keep thinking about Dewey talking about how that. We're like a month or two, like the offense is a month or two behind, and we'll see how they're, they're starting to get a little bit better. But I, uh, I really feel strong uh, about our chances. I think the one good thing for us is it will be at home, uh, but Cincinnati is going to be a tough game, don't you think, guys? Yeah, absolutely. Cincinnati uh, is uh, one of the top teams in the league. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if we could somehow find a way to pull off the upset two years in a row in Minji's, uh, that would be fantastic. And you never know. Like I said, we did it last year. Um, so maybe we can do it again this year. It is, you got to like the chances. If you're going to pull an upset, kind of a 12 noon on a Sunday, you know, just just seems like that would be the time to do it. That just seems like a good sleepwalk yeah. game. Yeah, it does. And, and not only that, but if you look at the William & Mary series, 
Uh, it's going to be interesting. Bubba, do you want to go to our first guest? Hey, I yeah, got we, something I want to bring up before we go to that first okay. guest. All right. Um, we we need to get Ryan Robinson or John Gilbert on the on the line here and ask them why in the hell is opening weekend a Sunday game in baseball when when the team is in William and Mary is just up the road to Williamsburg. There's no flight. There's no time limit on the game. They sh- there shouldn't be anyway. Unless there's something logistical we don't know about. Why is the first pitch for that game at one o'clock when basketball's tipping off at twelve o'clock? Why? Why is first pitch not at two or three? It doesn't make any sense. I at think basket. I think the ba- it's basketball on television. I think there's something yeah, well, about yeah, that. Correct. Correct. TV dictates when basketball's tipping off. So why are you why are you doing first pitch for baseball at one o'clock? I mean, maybe there's a maybe there's a good answer for for why, but just looking at it. From the outside, it doesn't make any sense at all. I, mean, I know the conference, it may be different rules for it, but I know like no, conference that doesn't plays. apply. That doesn't apply for a non-conference game. Well, that's what I was wondering. Okay. So, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know. To my knowledge, it doesn't. I mean, that's a I didn't know if American that's, held them. That's just a travel rule for the conference. I mean, right. that should not apply for for William and Mary. I, I, it shouldn't. If it does, that's, then that answers the question. But that's the nonsense that it does. So uh, I don't know. That's just somebody needs to answer that question while we're while we're throwing first pitch at one, tipping off basketball at twelve. I mean, you're you're, you're taking away attendance for one or the other. Yeah, and the, and the thing is, is that the great thing I, I know you, Kyle, have mentioned uh, your your love for certain sports and maybe not, but. The thing is, the great thing about Pirate Nation, including you, obviously, being a part of Pirate Nation, is they can believe tiddlywinks and people are going to support it, but you make a great point that um, you're basically, you got the, the usual suspects like us. Well, then we have to decide, we have to, those of us that have season tickets, we have to balance back and forth, right? Well, I guess you can't. Uh, you don't have a, once you leave, you leave. So that's another thing to consider is maybe we could have some kind of, Re-entry pass or something going back and forth, or I know especially Bubba, <laughs> Bubba pass. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just you know, for basketball, for example, if you, you know, yeah, you, you just wait to go to the baseball game. Once the basketball game's over, the baseball game will still be going on. But you, you you've missed the first few innings. So like three I innings, know, I think. I just don't know why you just don't just throw the first pitch at two o'clock. Um, a like I said, maybe there is a good reason, and maybe it's that that American Conference uh, rule, but I wouldn't think so. I, I'm not sure, so we'll have to we'll have to check on that. And certainly, maybe they they're uh, they have an inside baseball. <laughs> no pun intended on that. We'll find out. All right, you guys ready to go now? The first guest. Yeah, on uh, Wednesday afternoon, we had the opportunity to catch up with the seventh-year head coach of the William & Mary Tribe to talk about his ball club um, with them coming to town this weekend. Let's go to that interview with Brian Murphy right now. Hard to believe that Friday being Valentine's Day is also another special day, right, Bubba? Yeah, the Pirates will be beginning play with the 2020 season, and They'll be hosting a three-game series at Clark LeClaire Stadium, and the opponents, of course, William & Mary. Right now, we're very excited to be joined by the seventh-year head coach of the tribe, Brian Murphy. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely, Coach. Uh, very to ha- great to have you uh, with us. Love William & Mary. Love, uh, love uh, one of my favorite areas of the country, Williamsburg. 
Uh, certainly glad to have you guys this weekend in Greenville. Uh, how are things been in the off season? I guess to catch fans up. Yeah, we're uh, we're excited to get rolling. You know, it's uh, kind of a uh, process to get to this point. You know, with the fall and the preseason and all that. So, like everybody, we're excited to kick it off. Excited to get down there on Friday. Coach, taking a look at this year's ball club, um, I know you, you guys, um, you've had a lot of success there in Williamsburg a year ago. I think you won 33 ball games, finished third in the CAA. Um, but just give us a general overview before we uh, dive into the roster uh, more closely. Yeah, um, we, had, we had a pretty solid year last year. Um, you know, it's a uh, pretty consistent club last year. Uh, we got a, you know, I'd say a, a pretty good mix of, of returning guys along with some new faces, just like most people in college baseball. So we're, uh, we're you know, we're starting it at 0-0 like everybody else. And, you know, we've got to figure out how to how to win again and, you know, kind of get a look at all these new pieces. And, you know, hopefully uh, we'll get better as we go, I'm sure. And Coach, I know one thing is uh, you can't look at last season because last season is last season. Even if you have a solid club, you don't want to look in the past, right? You're, it's a brand that can be good or bad and brand new Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. I think all whatever three hundred three hundred Division One teams that, that kick it off this weekend, we're all we're all basically in the same boat. You know, we all need a million things to go right, but I guess that's kind of the fun part. So, guys, taking a closer look at the roster, I mean, you talk about you have a lot of new pieces coming in. I know you returned twenty three guys from a season ago, and then um, ten newcomers. Um, so, just talk a little about some of the returners. We have some veteran guys on our pitching staff, some guys that have kind of um, been around the block a little bit. Um, Chris Farrell's fifth-year senior. Uh, he, he was our closer last year. He's an experienced kid. He's pitched in a couple different roles. Uh, Wade Strain's a senior for us, right-handed pitcher. Uh, he's a preseason uh, all-conference type guy. Um, you know, th- those are kind of the, the, the most veteran guys in our, on our pitching staff. Uh, we've got an outfielder that's been a four-year starter for us, a kid named Brandon Riquet. Um Plays left field, been a um, you know productive hitter. Uh, we got a we got a senior catcher uh, who's played a lot of baseball for us. We got a second baseman that's been a starter since kind of day one on campus. Those are kind of our, our our returning core guys, and then we have some guys that you know have gotten some experience that are either taking on new roles or, or, or trying to do some new things. Then obviously some new pieces as well. Coach, I was going to ask you as far as uh, anybody that's from North, um, I guess nationwide even knows the academic toughness and reputation of William and Mary. How hard is it as a recruiter, how hard is it to recruit and get like baseball players to William and Mary? Yeah, it's a great question. It's one we get a lot, obviously. Um, it, it is a world-class, you know, world-class academic institution. We look at it as an advantage, you know, honestly, it, it, it shrinks our pool a little bit, but it's obviously a, obviously a really good separator as well. You know, we get guys that, you know, we we think we can present an opportunity where they can legitimately do both the academic side and the baseball piece at a really good level. So that's kind of our that's kind of our niche, and you know that's something we're we're comfortable with. And also the fact, coach, that you don't want guys that maybe they're if they're not good off the field, it may be tough to uh, as well on the field as far as uh, academics. No matter where you are, you want them to be top notch guys. Yeah, no doubt. You know, we got uh, you know for the most part, our kids' priorities are pretty good. You know, they're they're hard workers. You don't just kind of turn that on when you get to the locker room. You know, we got guys that, you know, are, are doing some great things in the classroom, all that kind of stuff. Coach, I'm taking a look at your pitching rotation this weekend. Um, I know, uh, to my knowledge, at least, East Carolina has not announced theirs yet. I know they do have a starter or two that's a little 
little um, banged up, if you will, some minor early season injuries um, that may be unavailable. But um, talk a little about your rotation. I know you you have Wade Strain, who's a preseason all-CAA guy, but um, talk about those if you can. Yeah, we're sort of in the same boat. we got a couple guys that uh, that won't be ready to go opening weekend, but they'll be back hopefully sooner rather than later. So, so Wade will not pitch this weekend. Uh, we're going to throw – we're going to throw Chris Farrell on Friday night. Um, we're going to throw Jack Cohn on Sunday. He, he's a two-way player. He's a center fielder pitcher. And uh, Saturday is kind of to be determined based on a few different factors that we're sorting out here the last couple of days of practice. And taking a look at your bullpen, uh, tell us tell us uh, what you have in terms of pitching depth in, in the relievers. Uh, we got a, a number of guys that have pitched a pretty good amount out of the bullpen. we got a kid named Randy Prosperi who was like a 30 30- 30 appearance guy for us last year. We got a kid named Justin Pearson, who was kind of our primary uh, lefty out of the bullpen, pitched some longer stints, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Nick Butts is a fifth year senior. He's pitched in a variety of roles for us. And we got, uh, you know, a, a, a couple sophomores that kind of got their feet wet a little bit last year that are sort of hoping to transition into some bigger roles. And then and we got some guys that will be out there for the first time this weekend that, that we like. And, you know, we'll be interested to see them do it against somebody in another uniform. Coach, I want to ask you as far as East Carolina is concerned. Obviously, with the first series coming up, being the starter, uh, the opening day coming up on Friday, what do you know about the Pirates and Coach Cliff Godwin? The last time we played those guys was in the regional finals in 2016. Yeah. And uh, we, we set this series up, I think, shortly after that. Um, so I know they play really hard. You know, that's the one thing that, that stuck out uh, playing them in 16 was, was just how well they competed. And, uh, you know, I know the names have changed significantly since then, but I know the style of play won't. You know, they'll have some guys that will grind it out. They'll play aggressive. They'll be ready to go. Um, obviously, I know they got some returning guys back, you know, both on the mound and some of the position guys. And they also have a lot of new faces, it seems like. So I know uh, I know they'll have good players. You know, we, we see them on the road. We know the type of players they get. Um, you know, they'll have good players. They'll be ready to go, and, and, and they'll play hard. I know that for sure. And talk a little about the atmosphere. Obviously, um, this, is, this will be a great early season test for you guys and going on the road to, t- to take on a top 20 club in a, what's a very solid college baseball environment, uh, typically in the top 20 nationally in attendance. So talk about that and how you think this will really help your team moving forward. Yeah, we're excited about it. You know, I, I think uh, there's there's a, gr- a great advantage to just to go to go to a spot like this early in the year and kind of throw you guys into the fire a little bit you know um i'm sure they'll we'll have some guys that got some butterflies you know and, and that's okay you know i think but that's the type of environment that, that, that we hope to get back to once the you know once the end of may and june roll around so why not why not kick it off there exactly coach in fact uh with you guys well you're talking about 2016 this is kind of like a, what's great uh, i'm sure for both you and cliff is the fact that you guys want to test good competition in, in the non-conference schedule because that helps you down the road. This is going to be more like this weekend for both teams, like a regional-like atmosphere, right? I hope so. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a long way between February and, right. and, and where everybody's trying to get. But I'm sure uh, I'm sure you guys down there will be ready to rock, and I'm sure it'll be a good crowd. It looks like the weather will be at least okay. So, yeah, we're, we're fired up. I'm sure everybody's excited to get rolling. And, Coach, while we obviously wanted to focus on this weekend, while we have you on the show, uh, just taking a look at your schedule, I know uh, after you play the Pirates, you take on Duke, who's a super regional team the last two seasons, and you also play the likes of Clemson, Maryland, uh, UVA, West Virginia, to name a few. And then, um, obviously, the CAA has its challenges. So talk a little about your 2020 slate. 
Yeah, we do. We started off with yeah, it's obviously it's obviously East Carolina and then Duke on Tuesday. So uh, I don't know what I was thinking there, but it's uh, it's uh, it's a good challenge. You know, we're, we're excited about it, and you know, I think the you know to to be a good team, you know, you got to be in a lot of different environments. You got to learn how to win. You got to be challenged, and you know, our, our season's not going to be defined by how we play the first week or the first five weeks or anything like that. So we're just we're just like everybody. We're out there looking to get better, and this, this is a good opportunity to do it. No doubt about it. And uh, so, Coach, um, with it being game week, here we are um, just, oh, 48 hours or so from opening day. So so just um, we appreciate your time. We appreciate you coming on the show. Stay travels to you and the team as you as you travel down to Greenville. And best of luck in 2020. Thank you guys very much. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you, Coach. And obviously good luck to the tribe. Hope we have a safe thing. And I know, Kyle, we were talking about it. That's one of my favorite places in the country. I love Williamsburg. Lots to do. Love yeah, the history Williams aspect of it. Uh, beautiful. I mean, if you go to Williamsburg and all you do is push cars for work country, you're missing out on a lot. I mean, yeah. obviously Colonial Williamsburg, but the, the area of Yorktown, Jamestown Settlement, uh, just driving along the um, the James River. Uh, yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, uh, beautiful area. It really is. I love it. And uh, one of my favorite places. So I'm going to be there in June. Hopefully it won't be uh, during the time of uh, – hopefully we'll have time to talk about Omaha. Um, but if not, then I'm taking, we're taking the kids to uh, there after they do – they're still doing well in school. So we, we promised them they did well in school behavior and grades. We take them to Great Wolf Lodge there in Williamsburg. So uh, definitely do that in June. And uh, anyway, uh, it's not the travel objective. <laughs> it's the sports objective. But we had uh, – Two more uh, great guests remaining. You want to get to the next one? Yeah, we caught up uh, with Mike Rooney of the Perfect Game and ESPN to talk a variety of college baseball topics. Started off with the Pirates and then the American and um, just teams of uh, regional interest and then also uh, hit on a few national notes as well. Let's go to that with uh, Rooms right now. It's baseball season, Bubba. Very excited to have another one of our favorite baseball guests. It's just uh, a magical time of year. It's like Christmas uh, early for us, right? Oh, absolutely, Dave. That's what we had this guy on the show a couple times last year. Very excited to welcome back to the program from Perfect Game and also ESPN, Mike Rooney. Rooney, welcome in. Thanks, boys. Yeah, good to visit with you again. This is awesome. Absolutely. I remember last season, you know, you were talking great how the Pirates and uh, ran out a little uh, gas there in the Super Regionals in Louisville, uh, but had a great season under head coach Cliff Godwin and we don't have a lot of time with you. I know you got a busy week, so we're going to start off with the Pirates, kind of do a lightning round, so to speak. Uh, how do you think the Pirates are going to do this year? Yeah, I mean, I just I think last year was a was a pretty historic season. You know, it just it, you know the postseason's funny, right? Like, hey, if if um, that regional goes a little bit differently from a weather standpoint, you know, you end up in the losers bracket. Um, you know, it, clearly the Pirates were gassed when they got to Louisville and, you know, ran into a really hot team. But, you know, I just I think it's like anything, it, it, you know, they're going to just keep having chances under Cliff Godwin, and, and eventually it's going to happen, you know. And, and I think they'll be – it's a different team this year, but it's a very talented team, and obviously they're very good on the mound. And, you know, if you had to pick one or the other, being really good on the mound is a great place to start. And, Mike, I was going to mention, too, the fact that, I think that there's uh, a lot of, maybe not you, so I'll be fair, but I think a lot of people that don't know the program as well, when they see that seven guys got drafted last year, I totally get it from the outside. There will be other programs I may not know as well. 
Uh, you lose seven guys, but there's a lot of talent. They may not have the experience of those guys, but they still have experience, and they're still very talented. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, anybody that's paying attention knows that East Carolina is recruiting at a really high level under this coaching staff. And, you know, I know we'll talk about Jason Dietrich. I thought that was an incredible ad. But, yeah. you know, obviously um, Cliff Godwin is an incredible recruiter and Jeff Palumbo is an incredible recruiter. And so, you know, I, I think when it, the preseason rankings, it's a little tricky to rank in East Carolina because you don't know the names of a lot of these position players yet. But, you know, we know who Al Burleson is, and we know that they're recruiting great players, and we know that they're going to be really good on the mound. So, you know, I think that's why you see, despite East Carolina losing a lot of players, I think you see them ranked in almost every poll, um, you know, somewhere in the 15 to 25 range. Mike, just expanding on your point as far as the way this coaching staff has recruited, that's what you, you talk about losing the likes of Bryant Packard, Spencer Brickhouse, Jake Agnos, Jake Washer, et cetera. But then you still have, um, most polls have the Pirates in the top 25 with the exception of one. And then you have the preseason player of the year in the American in Alec Burleson and then also the preseason pitcher of the year in Jake Kuchmater. And that's not even throwing out guys like um, projected Friday night starter Gavin Williams. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tyler Smith and Burleson and, you know, Gavin Williams obviously is a big, big arm. And, you know, I, I think, honestly, the ranking is it, it has a lot to do with respect for the program. I mean, obviously, you know, Burleson's a big piece and he's a two-way player. It's like getting two All-Americans back. But I think the ranking of East Carolina is, is recognition that, hey, this is a program that's in momentum. This is a coaching staff that's really exceptional. And, we, you know, like I said before, we don't know the names yet, but we know that East Carolina is recruiting good players and, and um, they're going to get coached up and the development's been at a high level. And, um, yeah, they're going to keep hosting regionals, and eventually you keep doing that, and, and you're going to win those five games to get to Omaha. It's just a matter of time. Mike, before we expand out to the state, um, let's focus on the American a little bit. Uh, a season ago, you had some clubs that had been good in the recent past, like USF and Houston, have down years. I know the Houston Cougars are expected to bounce back this year. Um, outside of East Carolina, um, very quickly, um, talk about who you think will be the primary challengers in the American. Yeah, I think it, I think Houston's the team that comes to mind. You know, they've got experience on the mound and. They've, they've, they've done a really nice job recruiting the junior college ranks, and I think their position player group will be more physical than normal. You know, I think Tulane is pretty sneaky. I think they'll have a very good offense. We're, we're trying to get our arms around their, um, their pitching staff. I, you know, I think, guys, the American is it's a, it's a league that recruits a lot of junior college players so teams can reset themselves quickly. You know, obviously we saw what Cincinnati did in the American tournament last year. Connecticut is always interesting, but they're a little bit banged up right now. So, you know, it's hard to know what to make of them. But, you know, I, I think, you know, gun to my head, the class of the league is probably going to be Houston and East Carolina. Taking a look at the state of North Carolina, last year um, we had six teams from the state in regionals, every ACC program but Wake Forest, and then obviously the Pirates, UNC Wilmington, and Campbell. Um, this season, I know um, looking at the preseason polls, I'm pretty much – most every poll has five teams from the state of North Carolina, all four ACC programs and East Carolina in the top 20. And then you, know, you also have programs like Campbell and UNC Wilmington who are projected by most to win their leagues. Yeah, and I, I, I did a little uh, prognostication piece for Perfect Game this week, and I said, 
you know, like, hey, of these five teams, and Campbell were UNCW, were two of them, you know, Dallas Baptist, San Diego State were two others, um, you know, like, hey, two of these teams are going to win a regional. I, you know, Campbell and UNCW, they just keep going to regionals every year. They've got older teams that are used to winning. So those teams are dangerous in the postseason. I think the ACC, guys, it's the deepest I've ever seen that league. And, you know, you've basically got Notre Dame and Pitt are kind of in a little bit of a rebuild. But Link Jarrett's at Notre Dame, I think that makes a difference. And, you know, you look at teams like NC State, UNC, Wake Forest, Duke. I mean, these are all teams that if it breaks right, they're going to end up in Omaha. Now, you know, they're going to have to survive the ACC because Louisville's loaded, Miami's loaded. But, you know, again, I think the big point for me with the ACC is it's the deepest I've ever seen this league. And if they get 10 teams in the NCAA tournament, that would not surprise me at all. Let's focus in on the, those in-state four uh, ACC programs. Like I mentioned, they're all in the top 20. And um, let's let's start off with Duke. And just give me a couple thoughts on, on each of these programs. Obviously, when you talk about the Blue Devils, um, back-to-back Super Regionals, three regionals in four years under uh, Coach Pollard after not having been in 55 years. Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on them? Yeah, I mean, just they're recruiting at a high level. They're really well coached. Back-to-back Super Regionals. I mean, I think, I think Joey Loperfito is a star caliber player. You know, Bryce Jarvis, you know, basically almost beat Kumar Rocker to eliminate Vanderbilt in the Super Regionals last year. So I just think, you know, Duke just keeps piling on one good recruiting class after another, and the, the program's got a lot of confidence. You know, when you look at Wake Forest, obviously, it, it, you could argue it's the best offense in the country. I, I'd say it's either them or Arizona State. It's an older team. You know, the thing with Wake is, you know, arms like Schuster and Cusick really struggled last year. But we got to remember, Matt Hobbs, their pitching coach, went to Arkansas in December. So those kids pitch better in the summer. I think Wake Forest is, is old and really talented. Um, you know, North Carolina, they've got star caliber players, Lance Lottie. I mean, we saw uh, Luca Delatri will start the season not pitching, but um, I think he has a broken hand. But, um, you know, Aaron Sabato is a first-team All-American caliber player. They, they've, you know, North Carolina's got talent. Um you know, so it's, you know, NC State, Patrick Bailey, you know, you could argue best catcher in the country. So I just think um, all of those teams, if it breaks right, they're, you know, they're really, they're Omaha caliber programs. And talking about the Tar Heels, um, I, know, I know their bullpen is really supposed to be the strength of that club. Yeah, Lancelotti, they were considering moving to the rotation. Now, they may end up doing that because of, um, you know, with Luca Delatri not being healthy to start the season. But, you know, the Love kid was tremendous in the bullpen. They'll leave him back there. Um, you know, the, the North Carolina just recruits really good players year in and year out. So, you know, I, I never worry about them. You know, is their roster maybe as deep as in, in years past, like in 2013 when they're the number one team in the country? I don't know if they're quite as deep. But when you look at North Carolina's top of their roster players, they compare with anybody in the country. Before we uh, move on and talk about some a few national notes and things to keep an eye on, um, I wanted to very quickly get back. I, for, I forgot uh, Jason Dietrich, and we, we meant to uh, talk about him because I know with you being based out of Arizona and with everything he's done out there at Cal State Fullerton and most recently Oregon under George Horton, talk about Coach Dietrich and what Cliff Godwin and the Pirates are getting in him. Yeah, I would just say Jason Dietrich, I've, I've – long considered one of the best pitching coaches in the country and certainly on the West Coast. And you you look at it, like Jason Dietrich has paid his dues. 
He's got ties to Fullerton. You know, he's been to Omaha with Fullerton. He coached at UC Irvine under Mike Gillespie. You know, he's coached for the Legends. He coached for George Horton at Oregon. You know, the the it's super low ego, just a worker, incredible development. I mean, you know, Thomas Eshelman from Fullerton, I would argue, is the best strike thrower in the history of college baseball. And, you know, he was tutored by Jason Dietrich. And so, you know, the guy's just really fundamental. He knows what Omaha looks like. Um, and, again, it's just it's just a very low ego. Um, I guess the expression I would use with Jason Dietrich is it's all stake and limited sizzle. You know, he's not a look-at-me guy. He's just a, you, you know, th- th- these pitchers are going to be fundamentally sound. They're going to attack the strike zone. They're going to do the little things. And, you know, clearly there's, very, there's a lot of talent on ECU's pitching staff. And, you know, I think Jason Dietrich is the, is the guy to maximize that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, that's what, and you hear the expression and timing's everything. Well, when Cliff Godwin in East Carolina hired Jason Dietrich, uh, it, it certainly was the right timing from the, not only the standpoint of, uh, just him, him replacing Dan Roselle, but him getting hired and then the San Francisco Giants came calling. Yeah, I mean, right. What a, and, and, you know, that's a compliment both to Jason Dietrich and, and also college baseball that, major league teams are really considering college coaches and you know it makes sense because the college coaches are spending three years with his kids and it's um you know in college you don't get the first round pick so you got to really be good with development and again i would tell you jason dietrich is good as anybody and i mean i you know for me seeing that happen in the in the you, you hate to see ecu lose coach roselle but when i saw them pick up jason dietrich i i texted cliff godwin immediately and said man you just got a star i think he is um, as good a pitching coach as there is in all of college baseball. A couple more questions for you, Mike. Um, just taking a look at things nationally um, going into the season, what, what are some uh, storylines on te- teams you really like but just I mean, things that uh, pique your interest um, with opening day here less than 48 hours away? Yeah, I would say, like, the SEC is, you know, the deepest league in the country again and, and really getting deeper. I mean, Alabama, who has, you know, it's year three under Brad Bohannon, and, and this is the best roster they've had. It's, it's a legit SEC roster. It's just a young roster. So the SEC, especially the SEC West, is going to be just a, you know, it's going to be a Donnybrook. I mean, I don't know what to make of that division other than you better buckle your chin strap. And, you know, I think on the West Coast, there's a lot of resetting. There was a lot of coaching changes on the West Coast. But I would tell you that Arizona State and UCLA are two elite teams out there that, you know, I, I could I could see either one of those teams not only getting to Omaha but winning it all. The Big 12 is interesting because it's always a talented league, but there's a lot of new faces. You know, the stars in the Big 12 are team are, are guys that we're just going to get to know this year. But it, but when you look at the pedigree of these kids, you know, it's exceptional. And you know, I would just say, as a you know, as a final thought on on, on the national scene is, man, the the, the Big 10, what Michigan did getting to the college world series finals uh, it was great for the big 10 baseball it was even better for college baseball and I, i've shared this with a lot of people if you look at at, at the michigan vandy game three it was the highest rated highest rated baseball game on espn last year until probably september and i'm talking about higher tv ratings than some yankee red sox games so that just tells you how that really captured the country's attention so you know, the Big Ten, it'll be really neat this year. The two favorites are Ohio State and Michigan, which is really fun. And, you know, that league just keeps getting better better and better. And, and you guys know it. It's, you know, there's the, the 
you know, 20 years ago in college baseball, maybe there was 30 or 40 teams that could win a national title. You know, I would argue there's 70 or 80 now. You know, it's it's really a fun time in college baseball. Absolutely. And the way uh, Eric Backich and Nick Schnabel, um, two former Pirates and the, that are obviously wearing 23 there at Michigan, that was awesome to see uh, the success yep. those guys were having. And um, is the way they built that program, the way they went a little bit out of the box and um, – some of the pieces and the way they added those pieces and so forth on so something we were excited to uh, hear. Yeah. Have, how about Brian, have, have Eric Backage on our show uh, right, at, right about a week after they played in Omaha. That's awesome. And, and those guys are so proud of their East Carolina roots. You know, I was going to mention Bryant Ward, who's the number one assistant at UCLA is that, you know, he's a star out here on the West coast and he's an ECU guy. So, right. you know, it's really cool when you, whenever you're at a college baseball event and, and those types of guys are there, all the the pirates come together. It's really fun. That you know, like you can tell, that is a really really deep bond. And Rune's final question for you as we wrap this up um, with these first uh, couple weekends of college baseball. Tell our listeners: um, Is there a series or a few that come to mind as far as marquee non conference matchups that you'll really be keeping an eye on that are intriguing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. This weekend in Arizona is a big one. I'll have Oklahoma State on, at, at Grand Canyon on Friday night, which is fun. I'm really curious to see both of those teams. And then we've got a, that really cool tournament where we've got Vandy and Michigan and Cal Poly and UConn out here. Um, you know, mid, early March, I'm going to get to go to the Dodger Stadium deal, and that's Vandy and TCU and UCLA and USC. You, you know, the, the one I would bring up, too, is the Houston – um, Shriners Hospital Classic that they have every year at Minute Maid. I mean, that field is just absolutely loaded this year. And so, um, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, I think more than anything, guys, it's like it's just so fun. It, it's, you know, it's, we've been talking about these teams. We've been making predictions. And now it's time to kind of roll the balls out and let's see what we got. <laughs> well, Mike, thank you so much. I know you have somewhere you have to be. Is, uh, can you uh, tell fans where they can follow you on social media? Yeah, yeah, for sure. My, uh, my Twitter handle is the best place to keep up with me, and it's it's uh, Mike underscore Rooney. Um, that's where all I spew all my nonsense. And so, yeah, I'm excited. Let's go. Appreciate you so much. Look forward to seeing your calls this weekend and beyond, and hopefully we can have you back on a couple more times this season. Would love to. Let's do it. Appreciate you, Mike, very much. Uh, certainly looking forward to each season, it seems like, guys, maybe it's me, but it seems like college baseball gets more popular every year and starting to get a little bit of respect. Uh, I think there's so many years we've been following college baseball, it really didn't get the, I think, the attention it deserved. But I think with the networks like ESPN and others that are starting to give it the quality uh, time, it needs more. We can, uh, Kyle, I know you. we've talked about it before, um, but I'm really happy with the, I know we talked about the cameras, but there's more that we can do. I'm sure we could get Cliff Godwin on and, talking about that as far as media coverage uh, I think they've done a better job but we can always, we'll always improve the coverage the university does or different cameras different ways and now with this new ESPN package right Kyle we can actually have it where our own yeah, next, announcers, year, next year uh, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll have ESPN plus coverage for all the baseball games along with everybody else in the American so that would be good exposure right now it's free to com, which some people would argue is better because it's free but when you have it on that ESPN platform, it's going to give you a bigger audience for – and college baseball fans, a lot of people that, that follow college baseball that like to follow the sport as a whole, it's kind of a – it's a very – it's a very um, – what's the word I'm looking for? It's a very um, – I can't think of the word I'm looking for, Dave, but it's a very 
particular audience and, and they niche audience. That's it. College basketball is a very niche audience, but they're very dedicated. So when you're, when you're on ESPN Plus, you, you may be watching, right. you know, a, a Georgia game and then see East Carolina is in a close game with UCF and your, your game's over with Georgia and then you turn on the East Carolina games that are on ESPN Plus. So that's going to be the advantage there is being under that ESPN app. And it'll be easy for, you know, for us as fans. If, if when we're in the middle of a conference race, we'll be able to switch off from the East Carolina game to the Wichita State game, for example. Right. Um, so it'll, it'll, it'll be a, it'll be a big plus. And, you know, as we talked about with, uh, it was either with Fox or with, uh, with, uh, Elliot, uh, either NC State or USC's coach, um, we, uh, one of them too, I believe it was Elliot um, Averett, um, that was uh, talking about the ACC network and the uh, added exposure that they're going to have most of their games now on TV. So, um, you know, we, we're not going to get that just yet in the American, but getting that ESPN Plus exposure starting next year. It's definitely a step in the right direction, and hopefully we can keep uh, raising money, different things, spending money uh, on the baseball program because uh, it's a winner and uh, certainly we're looking very strong there. Guys, uh, are you ready for our last guest, Bubba? Yeah, a friend of the show, um, Stu Murray, he moved from the Northeast down to the Raleigh uh, Triangle area and um, he's very excited to, to be in North Carolina where there is so much excellent college baseball being played. Looking forward to getting down to Clark LeClaire multiple times this season, and we talked college baseball with Stu here in the last couple of days, and let's go to that right now. Well, Bubba, one of our favorite guests from last year when it comes to college baseball, baseball period, is one of our favorite baseball guests, right? Absolutely. We love talking college baseball with this guy. It's uh, less than 48 hours away from first pitch on the Division One level, and welcome back into the show from College Baseball 365, a terrific podcast, Stu Murray. Stu, welcome in. Well, thanks, guys. It's a pleasure to be back with you. So I got to get the story right, and I, I know that I'm a. Um, everybody knows I'm for the state of North Carolina. I'm a big cheerleader. So basically, you came down, you fell in love with the state of North Carolina because of obviously we have great baseball, great weather, great everything here. Is that true? That, that's pretty much true. Yeah, I was. Uh, my wife and I have been living on the Cape for the last five years, and in the Northeast for almost twenty. And we just decided, hey, it's time for uh, warmer weather and, and a little bit more culture. Uh, and so last year we, we spent several weeks down in the uh, North Carolina area, Wilmington, Raleigh, made a trip out to ECU, and just decided, heck, uh, there's a few better places here for baseball and for university life and for food and culture and so much. So here we are. We're looking for a home as, as we speak and uh, look forward to catching as much college baseball as possible over the next four months. And, Stu, when you came down for that uh, UConn series that, that really um, sold you on what Clark LeClaire Stadium can be and, and the tremendous atmosphere we have there, um, just talk about – I know you had the opportunity to uh, see a guy pitch that I caught up with on the 23 Jungle Tales the other day and Jake Agnos, and he struck out 14 that night and eight and two-thirds. Well, that was really something. That was my first trip there. I went back to the regional uh, in, in early June – but my first trip was for the UConn series, and it was Mason Fioli against uh, Jake Agnos. And, you know, at that time, Fioli was thought to be a top two or three rounder, and, and Agnos was certainly that. 
Uh, and when you looked at them side by side, there was no question, in my opinion, who had the live arm, who had the better stuff, who had the better breaking ball, and that was Jake Agnos. And uh, certainly got uh, familiarized with uh, Clark LeClaire. It's you got to be there to really understand it and appreciate that uh, the rabid home crowd and, and how passionate you guys are about baseball. And so I made it a point of coming back for the uh, the regional, um, which was also very entertaining, and, and just uh, fall in love with, with the ECU baseball and the culture you guys have there. It's incredible. In fact, you know, Stu, the, we were talking right before we came on, but, I mean, if you're a baseball fan and you're listening to podcasts around the world, North Carolina – I mean, you can you can go to um, if you talk American Legion, you talk about high school baseball. If you talk, I mean, my kids, uh, Riley, Bubba's kids on a, um, a travel team. You have my son Alexander, who is actually second year of farm league, but he's been playing uh, for a good while now. Uh, but it's really hardcore. Wouldn't you say, Bubba, all the way down to maybe t-ball? <laughs> it really is like four-year-olds. Yeah. Parents and um, so forth definitely start their kids young, and um, sometimes I think they definitely go overboard, and that's something uh, we talked right. about with Trent Britt, uh, who has an excellent facility there in Greenville with Next Level Training Center. And, um, I definitely am one to discourage uh, specializing at an early age and play everything you can play, but, uh, yeah, the kids get an early start in this state for sure. Well, I think, you know, the, the weather, you can't take the weather for granted. Being able to play 365 outdoors is just a huge advantage. And certainly coming from the Northeast the last 20 years, I got to appreciate the challenges a UConn has or a Boston College or Pitt or whatever. Right. Uh, just because a handicap, it's hard to appreciate until you're in that bone chill from, uh, you know, November through March. Absolutely. That make, it makes it more um, impressive uh, what Coach Penders has done at UConn, for sure. No doubt about it. Uh, and, of course, they got some really tough news a couple of weeks ago about Pat Winkle. Their their star catcher is, is gone for the season with an arm injury. That's really a, a big blow to UConn. They were depending on him a lot this year to fill some holes. And uh, that's just a disappointment for a college baseball fan because that guy is a warrior behind the plate. And actually, I think he homered against uh, you guys, if I remember correctly, at ECU. Um, but that's that's a loss for UConn, no doubt about it. Stu, I had a question. Uh, let's keep it real at home uh, starting off. And we talk a little East Carolina because, uh, obviously, we're getting close to William & Mary, the series this weekend. And uh, what a way to start on Valentine's Day. Really cool. So we love baseball. And uh, certainly, it's a lot of fun. Bring your sweetheart out to Clark LeClaire City this weekend. But... <laughs> Anyway, I want to talk your thoughts on, I know you had a chance to talk to Cliff Godwin and meet him uh, during that time in June, and uh, what are your thoughts on him and, and certainly the program? Well, I mean, starting with Cliff Godwin, you look at his track record and the mentors he's been associated with throughout his co you know, young coaching career, I mean, he, he's learned from some of the very best, and no one's more passionate about the game, and no one is more you know, on the side of the players than Cliff Godwin. He simply wants those players to succeed. Uh, he's done an incredible job. Now, th the 2020 edition is going to be different. Um, you know, you guys obviously lost a ton of, of offensive firepower. I think almost 40 homers between the three studs you had last year. Um, and so I, I think, you know, you ha your replacements have had some success. You know, guys like Ryder Giles, I mean, he had 52 starts last year. Well, he's going to be asked to play shortstop. A bit of a question mark there. Seth Cadell. You know, he's got some good power. He had 20 starts behind the plate. So he's not coming in uh, inexperienced, but he's got to prove it every day. 
um, you know, Lane Hoover, Bryson Worrell, all those guys had their moments last year, but now they got to step in and play 55 games and be productive. So it's going to be interesting to see how the offense performs. You know, there's no doubt about the pitching staff. I mean, that's one thing that uh, has been a constant there, and, and now you've got a new pitching coach in Jason Dietrich, who I think the world of. But if you throw Burley out there and you, you throw, you know, Kuchmaner out there and somebody and, and Gavin Williams, although I know he's hurt, you know, there's some premium arms that are going to carry you guys until that offense comes, you know, into force. Yeah, that's one of those things with this uh, first series. Uh, I, we, you and I were actually discussing this the other airs too, off the air, as far as Gavin Williams. Uh, just kind of a freak deal. I heard um, assistant coach Jeff Palumbo talking about it. He was obviously uh, involved in that rundown drill, but they had multiple uh, rundown going on and he was working with the other group and uh and, and gavin's injury occurred uh it was a deal where the the sun was setting and so um gavin just lost the ball a bit and didn't and uh, got it with his bare hand and i believe it was his uh ring finger on his throwing hand that he fractured the tip so um he'll miss the start maybe two but hopefully he'll be back sooner rather than later well, that that's good news that uh, for you know conference play he should be back completely in the fold. You know, I was talking to uh, Bubba about uh, Jason Dietrich and his work at Oregon, uh, where he turned around a guy named um, David uh, David Allen, um, who was you know a project when he got to Oregon and after the first year with Coach Dietrich, he uh, his his uh, strikeout to walk ratio went from two to nine and he became a first rounder. The guy's 6'6", 240, so very similar to Gavin Williams. And I know Williams, his command was really ticking up this fall. Um, and, and he's a possible Team USA guy. I mean, if he can find his command, he throws in the high 90s. He's a guy who, you know, the scouts are drooling about. So he's going to be fun to watch this year. I was going to ask you that very thing uh, with Gavin Williams. He's one, a North Carolina kid, not too far away. And I wanted to get your thoughts on, do you think that um, – do you think he's – see, for me, maybe I'm a East Carolina guy, so I see a local kid uh, not too far away from Greenville, and I'm, like, so excited. And then you see uh, his stuff on the – you see him step on the mound, and he's very intimidating, as, even when you're not even in the batter's box. Uh, do you think he can make it to the majors? I know that's a loaded question, but uh, – There's no question. He's got the arm. I mean, anybody who's throwing high 90s, um, and has any semblance of athleticism is on target. Now, he had some moments last year. You know, his command wasn't awful by any means. Um, but at 6'6", 240, you look at a guy like that, if his command comes into the fold and he's got three full pitches, you're looking at 200 innings a year in the majors. He, he'll be a horse eating innings. So uh, he's one to keep an eye on. The ceiling is really high, and I, and I can't, again, speak more highly than – uh, about Jason Diedrich, he's the guy to get Gavin Williams as a first-round pick. It's possible. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, like you said, uh, you mentioned Ryder Giles making that move over from third to shortstop. He was a high school shortstop. He was really recruited to play shortstop at East Carolina, and then it worked out last year where he was good enough at third base that he beat out some guys uh, like a Nick Barber, for instance, who had been in the program. But uh, – and that will be very interesting to see how he transitions back over. Yeah, I think you know, the the glove might not be really a question mark at all. It's just the leadership. He's a young guy, and he's, he's filling some huge shoes in Turner Brown. 
and you know Brady Lloyd on the other side of the bag, those were leaders as well as really good defenders. I think both of them fielded about 960 up the middle, which is really, really good. So, you know, they're going to look for infield leadership, and Giles has got to provide that. I'll tell you, a guy I really love is Thomas Francisco. You know, I saw him at the regional last year. He had a huge base hit in that game one. Ultimately, you guys lost, but it was an impressive base hit. He's physical. He's got really good place discipline. I think the power is in there. And to me, he, he's a breakout candidate who could be a, um, a Spencer Brickhouse, you know, a guy who could hit 15 homers. You're yeah, right. That, you were, sorry, go ahead, Dave. I believe it was was it Bubba. Help me out. Was it Pack that uh, Brian Packer that said he thought Francisco was a better hitter than him? I, I don't recall, uh, but um, it was something that was said. I can't remember if it was Packer or Burley, but I think it was Packer that said a huge compliment about how great his bat was for Thomas Francisco, and I, I, I've been watching him since last year, really, I think, and then he had a great summer league, so was it Charlottesville, Bubba, he played in? Yeah, yeah, with the team in Charlottesville, and um, he, I think he was the, I want to say he was the hitter of the, hitter of the year in that league, so, and so he certainly had a heck of a summer, but uh, kind of getting back to what you're talking about in regards to his plate discipline last year as a freshman, um, yeah, he had four or five home runs, and they they said he could put on a, a show in, uh, in batting practice. But uh, talking about that plate discipline, uh, he hit up there. I want to say three thirty, three thirty five. So not only did he hit with that power, but um, that that average is reflective of the that plate discipline, swinging at good pitches, and not being afraid to take a walk. No doubt that at bat, I, I referenced uh, the game against Quinnipiac uh, uh, last year in the regional. It was a, probably a seven or eight pitch at bat. It was a pressure moment. It was in the middle of the game. You guys were down. I think it actually tied the score. You know, his on base was 451, and, and he's got power. So if he can find more barrels, um, you know, there's no reason why he's not a double digit homer uh, guy this year. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, kind of moving away from the Pirates a bit, and like we mentioned in the open, I mean, so you're back in back in North Carolina to stay now. I'm living in the Raleigh area. So talk, uh, in addition to Clark Leclerc, some of the ballparks that you're excited about seeing. And then I know here in just uh, a few days, next Tuesday, um, you're going to be down at Bowie's Creek at Jim Perry Stadium and watching the Pirates and the Campbells. Yeah, I look the forward camp, to that. The, excuse me, the Campbell Camels. So. There, there you go. Yeah, actually, I, I dropped in on that program about a month or so ago and just uh, wanted to take a quick look myself at the facilities, and lo and behold, the coaches were there, and I got a great tour. That's a beautiful ballpark and facilities, an indoor hitting area and, and a pavilion for, for donors and so forth. Um, you know, I'm, I'm down here in, in part to sort of begin scouting for Team USA in the Cape League. I'm going to cover both those leagues again for perfect game. And so I'm going to be spending, you know, a lot of time at, uh, at Doak Field watching NC State. You know, Duke has a really good club. Uh, you know, the DPAP is fantastic. And, and Boshimer at, at UNC is a great ballpark. So I'm going to be spending a lot of time there. I was at Charlotte's Park last year and really liked it. It's a beautiful little ballpark there. Of course, with Robert Woodard taking over, that's going to be a fun program to watch. Um, you know, and I, I look at the map. There are nine conferences representing – uh, represented in North Carolina in 18 teams. So there's just something for everybody here, and I can't wait to just start exploring it. And yeah, you mentioned... Me a nice, I'm sorry, Bob, I was just going to say real quick, 
uh, a very popular Division One preview we have up uh, that's got a lot of listens. So it's on SoundCloud or wherever you hear your favorite podcast, including right here. But I wanted to pitch that out so that there's, uh, what, Bubba, 14. And then we had Billy Godwin on the latest episode. But we have 15 out of 18 coaches uh, for North Carolina for Division One. So that's fantastic. You guys, you guys did a tremendous job, by the way, getting all those coaches on. And uh, so I, I urge uh, people to listen to that podcast. Thank you. I appreciate that, Stu. It was certainly, uh, as Dave always says, a, a labor of love. and enjoyed yeah. catching up with those guys. They were very generous with their time. And, um, and you could tell they were very appreciative of the exposure. Yep. But um, – Kind of taking a look at things as far as that matchup with um, with Campbell, um, it will be interesting to see. Um, Campbell is still uh, very highly regarded this year, and they, they did lose the likes of a Seth Johnson, such a talent that he was last year. But it'll be interesting to see how um, we've we've uh, had a tough time, a tough go of it late there in um, Bowie's Creek. Well, I understand they have two JC transfers uh, pitchers that are going to start day one. Um, and so they, they are reloading their guys that uh, I know the scouts are really high on. So I'm going to, you know, of course, they're not going to be there on Tuesday when I'm going to be down to see you guys. But, uh, you know, they're just reloading at this point. You know, they're clearly the strength of the Big South Conference, and there's no reason to believe they can't three-feet. Of course, they're coming off of back-to-back regular season and tournament titles in the Big South and looking to go three in a row. So that's a great story down there to watch. So, um in addition to Perry Stadium, have you had the opportunity to get down to Coastal and check out their ballpark? No, I haven't. And, and uh, you know, God bless uh, Gary Gilmore. Of course, he's he's dealing with some health issues right now. I just want to wish the best for Gary down at Coastal. You know, a friend and just a great guy. But no, I've heard nothing but uh, fantastic things about Springs uh, Brook Stadium down there. Uh, I I will get down to South Carolina and Columbia for an SEC series. Um, and, and may actually get to Clemson for an ACC series. So even outside of the state, within a four- or five-hour drive, you can get to some great baseball as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, I've actually not been able to check out a game at Founders Park there in Columbia, but I've had the opportunity to, to visit the venue, certainly a, an impressive one to say the least, and been to a lot of games at uh, Tiger Field over the years um, there at Doug Kingsmore Stadium in, in Clemson. So those are two of the best, in my opinion. Uh, you know, if you were to describe Founders Park, I would say take Clark LeClaire and add 3,000 more people in there with the beer flowing and, uh, and, and just as much passion as you guys have. I mean, it is a when, – when that program is going, that is an intimidating place. Yeah, what do you think? It'll be very interesting to see how um, the Gamecocks do this year after an extremely disappointing 2019 uh, – a very very important year for sure for Mark Kingston. No doubt about it. They're really a mystery team. They have so many new faces, a really highly re- um, regarded recruiting class. Um, but that's a mystery team uh, because there's so many new pieces. Stu, as far as uh, East Carolina, I want to mention too, uh, what is it going to take, do you think, for us to get to the next level for obviously it was pretty much we went out of – we've had Evan Butler on the team that agree with us that they pretty much just everything they had, they used everything, so to speak, out of the tank. Uh, they had nothing left for Louisville. What does it take to get to, to Omaha to that next level? Wow. Well, 
in Cliff Godwin, you know, I I, uh, I believe, I, you know, it's a development program. And I think that's, you know, you're not going to get the blue chip deep recruiting classes. You're going to have to develop guys once they're there. And there's certainly evidence that, that they've done that extremely well over the years. This year they're going to plug in guys that got a good taste last year but are still unproven over the four-month season. So we'll see how that unfolds. But, you know, if he can land pitching, it, it, it always starts with pitching if you want right. to get to Omaha. And they've got a great pitching coach in place. I know they had a good one before. He's now on to Kentucky. But it starts with arms, and it starts with defense and, and timely hitting. And there's no reason why they can't break through. I mean, you can sell recruits on Clark Beauclair and that experience and the exposure to the American Conference. You know, at this point, it's just a matter of breaking that door down. They've come so close. They ran into an absolute buzzsaw last year. That happens. But their time is coming. Uh, let's talk That's about the uh, – I want to ask you as far as ACC action with uh, your obviously the Triangle Schools there on Tobacco Road, you have, and then there's a lot of other great baseball, um, certainly in North Carolina. But what do you think about the ACC schools? And uh, well, I guess we can start with the uh, the North Carolina teams in the ACC, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think these three are as strong as they've been. All are in the consensus top 20 picks. Um, you know, Duke, I think Duke doesn't get enough national credit. You know, they're back-to-back road regional winning teams. Um, they took Vandy, four runs to eliminating Vandy last year and getting to Omaha. So Chris Pollard, of course, he was at App State before. He's just done a tremendous job at Duke. I think this is one of North Carolina State's better teams. There's depth all around. Yes, they lose Will Wilson and Evan Edwards, but they, they have depth on the mound. They have depth positionally. they got a lot of flexibility. And I wouldn't be surprised if Elliott Avant gets to a super this year. And, of course, Mike Fox at, at UNC, they just reload. they got one of the best uh, bats in the country in Aaron Sabato. Uh, he's going to be fun to watch. So the triangle is as healthy as it's ever been. Uh, you know, Louisville is everyone's top pick. You know, there's reason to believe that, uh, you know, they could run away with the ACC again and win a national championship. Uh, that's certainly possible. Then you got teams like Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, Boston College, even Virginia, I think, could see a resurgence this year. So the middle of the ACC, I think, is as strong as an interesting as it's ever been. Uh, there really are only a couple, two or three weekends where you might be able to take a breather, but it, it's it's now almost SEC-like in its depth. So let's take a look at um, – so you talk about those clubs in state. Uh, what are some national storylines that you're interested in um, discussing? I know you said – when we were having our little pre-show discussion, there were quite a few. There, there's so many great storylines, and I think, you know, every team is flawed to some extent. Vandy loses a ton of position guys and seniors that really helped them last year, but they reload with talent. So will they be able to be uh, the Vandy of old come May? It's certainly possible. Louisville loses a couple of key offensive cogs. Logan Wyatt was a second rounder. Tyler Fitzgerald was really a key shortstop for them. Um, are they going to be able to reload in those positions? Uh, you know, I think so, but the jury's still out. I think a couple of really interesting stories are Arizona State and Miami, you know, traditionally strong programs historically who uh, look like they are loaded. They're as talented as probably any two programs in America, but they have some questions. You know, they got to do it over four months. Um, you know, the SEC is going to be strong. Arkansas has got two of the most dynamic offensive players in the country and Casey Martin and Heston Kerstad. Uh, Auburn, Butch Thompson has that program rolling. 
Uh, Mississippi State, Chris Lamonis did one heck of a job in year one. He comes back with a solid club. So there, there's so many storylines, and, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if you get a relative surprise as your national champion this year because I think it's that balanced. Hey, Stu, one of the um, storylines I wanted to discuss, um, we talked about Jason Dietrich and what a special pitching coach he is. Um, he had that experience with George Horton. Um, he was a he's a Fullerton guy and then an Oregon guy the last few years. Obviously, Coach Horton uh, stepped aside there in Eugene. So um, what do you think about the Ducks moving forward? That's, well, that's, a, pro, that's a program that's a program that's really – I'm sorry. I was just saying that that, that was a program, you know, um, in, a, in most sports, at least um, in football and men's basketball, they've had the upper hand. But in uh, baseball, Oregon State has certainly been the program uh, that set the standard in that state. Yeah, it, it's – you know, the, the Ducks, they have a tough road this year too because it is rebuilding. Um, and they really have – they got the facilities. They have everything you want to ask for. But for some reason, it really hasn't fully clicked under George Horton. So – uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if the guy from Purdue comes over there. He, you know, he knows Oregon well, knows the Pacific Northwest well, if he can get that thing going. You know, the Pac-12 is interesting. You know, Oregon State, lots of questions. You lose Pat uh, Casey, their legendary coach. You lose so much talent from last year, including Adley Rutschman. You don't know about Oregon State. Stanford loses a ton of offensive guys. They have eight MLB draftees move on, so a lot of questions about Stanford. Um, UCLA loses a ton of guys, Michael Tolia, uh, Jeremy Iden, so many guys, but John Savage can rebuild there. So what happens with a younger UCLA team? Uh, you know, just a fantastic year out west and very balanced again. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if someone jumps up and, and surprises in the Pac-12. Well, Stu, uh, before we let you go, I know that uh, we want everybody to listen to your podcast. College Baseball 365, can you uh, plug that a little bit and uh, where we can find you on social media? Sure. You can follow me on Twitter at Stu, S-T-U underscore Murray1. Uh, and the website you can get to from my Twitter account is College Baseball 365. You can Google that and it'll come right up. Uh, we've done, I think we're almost at 90 podcasts now. We do mostly D1 coaches. Um, we did a, a, a preview of the entire season with Mike Rooney and Patrick Ebert of Perfect Game and ESPN that uh, was dropped a couple of days ago. Uh, so feel free to visit that site, and uh, you can follow me because I'll be covering the college game, and including the summer, for the next eight months. Hey, Dave, j- j- just for clarification for our listeners, just to make sure um, that is Murray with an A. <laughs> yes, M-U-R-R-A-Y. Thank you, Bubba. Murray won. All right. No doubt about it. Stu, thank you so much, man. I know you've got to run. But I appreciate it so much for the time and look forward to having you on multiple times during the season. Anytime, guys, and I'll look you up and let you know when I get out to uh, Greenville. I'll certainly be there for the Cincy series, so we'll, we'll connect then for sure. All right, thank you, Stu. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'm so excited, Kyle, because he actually loved North Carolina baseball, the state of North Carolina baseball. He loved East Carolina, so now he's living in Raleigh where he can cover Division One. he can cover – uh, of course, college, you can cover USA Baseball, yeah, the minor league system. He's just, uh, he and his wife obviously love the climate, and uh, so they moved down. So looking forward yeah, to having Yeah, for us not to have an MLB team, North Carolina is a great spot for baseball. If you want to cover college ball, if you want to cover high-level travel ball and high school ball, right. well, you got the Coastal Plain League for summer league. Right. you got uh, you got uh, tons of minor league baseball throughout North Carolina. 
and uh, and of course Division One at the highest level with East Carolina, North Carolina, North Carolina State, on you know down to Elon and whatever. So you know if you're a baseball guy like him, North Carolina's a great spot. The only thing you're missing is an MLB team, and maybe in time we'll get that in Charlotte. It's looking like the next uh, two or three years ago, the commissioner said that Charlotte's one of the cities, along with um, Mexico City and Montreal. Montreal, they're going to give two. They're going to add two teams. Um, what the holdup is, uh, people that don't know, is they've got to have the the two fields, uh, major league teams, uh, tr- with uh, Tampa Bay, and with Tropicana Field is not a baseball stadium, and um, they've got to do something with that one. And then also Major League Baseball is looking in the old Oakland Coliseum. It's just, uh, I mean, yes, I love history, but uh, they got to figure out what between those two stadiums. And after that, then the uh, the seriousness as far as expansion. So uh, you're looking at the next, I mean, it's probably more like eight than six, but it's going to happen. Uh, Montreal has been averaging. Any, any talk of the Rays moving? I, I know the athletics probably never would, but. Uh, well, I'm glad you. Man, you read my mind. That's why we are good friends. He, the deal is right now. I heard a couple months ago. I have to check in, but the last I'd heard was that there's a. This is very bizarre, but apparently, I don't know how logistically they can work this out. But apparently, they're going to split some of the games in Tampa and some of the games in Montreal. Um, that's just something a scenario I heard. Ah, stupid. Um, yeah, I don't like that idea, but that's something I heard. About. That sounds like a slow move to Montreal to me. Yeah, I, I think that the issue is definitely the um, the Rays have had some great teams. I think it just comes down to just move to North Carolina. You don't even have to change the name. Well, yeah, and uh, Charlotte is. Uh, I think. I, I mean, Mexico City has a lot of baseball fans. There's no doubt about it. But I think Charlotte. Um, if you look at the, if you look at that, where Charlotte's located, it's a perfect uh, spot for Major League Baseball. Right, that's exactly what. You have you're close to DC. That you've got a whole bunch yeah, of teams that you're Nats, close, close to the Braves. Make them a National League team. Uh, it would, uh, it would, it would be great. So it looks like that we'll get off this uh, Major League expansion uh, topic, but it looks like down the road it'll be Montreal and Charlotte. Too much can happen between now and then, but I'm looking forward to it. And, Bubba, man, you're going to be right down the road from a Charlotte ba- baseball team. That's going to be really cool. Bubba, will you get more excited if Charlotte is an MLB team than you are about the MLS? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm happy about I'll be happy about both. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, um, guys, I wanted to thank both of you again for – a lot of success the beginning of this year. 2020 has been great. want to remind fans, uh, yeah. definitely, before we go, remind fans about our current promotion. And then we got a huge promotion in the next few weeks we'll um, unveil. We'll talk about that later. But uh, tell people for this weekend about our uh, our promotion for social media for our basketball tickets, and we'll get out of here. Yeah, we'll be giving away at least eight tickets to the um, Cincinnati game on Sunday. And like we already mentioned, noon tip-off. And uh, if you can't make it out, that will be on the CBS Sports Network. But if you're considering going, uh, definitely stay tuned. Uh, Pay attention to our social media on Friday. And uh, you'll see uh, a, a Twitter giveaway for four tickets and then also a Facebook giveaway for four tickets on Twitter, it will simply be a retweet winner, and then on um, on Facebook, it will be um, 
you'll be guessing the score of uh, the ball game, East Carolina and William and Mary. So I so make sure that you uh, stay tuned for that. No doubt about it. Good luck to the Pirates, uh, certainly on the baseball diamond and uh, and on the court. Looking forward to this weekend, gentlemen. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much. Any final thoughts before we go? No, man. Just go Pirates. Uh, get it done this weekend. Yeah, Dave. Um, yeah, that's what um, I, I just wanted to add. And this weekend, uh, we, we haven't said anything. Uh, East Carolina softball will be hosting an event uh, at the ECU softball stadium. So um, definitely check that out as well. Um, ladies went two and three on opening weekend down at the Kickin' Chicken Classic at Coastal Carolina, and they picked up a pair of wins over Campbell, twelve to nothing and four to one, and then. Um, and then lost games to Iowa, Coastal Carolina, and Virginia Tech. Um, the, the game against Coastal Carolina, who was very good a season ago, was lopsided 8-1. to one, and, and then they lost those uh, competitive games to Iowa and Virginia Tech, 6-5 to five and 4-2. But uh, they, they will be hosting Hampton, uh, George Washington, and DePaul. And then um, also lacrosse will be at home on Saturday, a noon, uh, a noon start against Walford. They are 1-1 one one after um, – they dropped a 14-11 decision to uh, Furman, who won the Southern Conference a season ago, and then they defeated Presbyterian 19-9. So they'll be hosting the Terriers at noon on Saturday. The chicken, the kicking chicken classic. Yep, uh, I love the it. Kicking chicken it. classic. What's a kicking chicken? I don't, I don't know, but I love it. I love the name. Uh, I, I'm guessing it must be a, just a, a local. Chicken place there in the in the Conway I, I, Myrtle I Beach know, area. I don't, I, don't know. I don't know if that was the hell. I don't know. Santa Clara's not a chicken, so I'll put well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look at all those chickens. All right, uh, guys. I'm. Uh, have a great weekend. And definitely, by the way, folks, listen to on Sunday night. Before we forget, too, we're getting, uh, extra innings on Sunday night. Be on the lookout for that. We'll um, go over the weekend's results and preview the the next week, the second week, I guess, for the first full week of the baseball season. We'll do that for East Carolina. And much, much more, of course, breaking news at once. You've been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. You've been listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. Join us next time as the guys will be objective, and the objective is sports.